Welcome to Logos Live. I'm Robert Martin, Director of the City Bible Forum in Melbourne, and I'm your host for the show. Logos is Greek for word or message, and Logos Live engages the Christian message before a live audience in the CBD of Melbourne. And do we have a live audience here today? And we also aim to have a bit of fun. Who said exploring the big questions of life shouldn't be enjoyable? So how do you live well today? In this series of Logos Live Words to Live By, we offer practical and helpful advice to help us live and thrive in the modern world. Today, we're going beyond the Facebook friend, how to build great relationships. And to help us, we have Andrew Laird join us. Now, Andrew works for City Bible Forum in Melbourne and directs a program called Life at Work, an initiative aimed at connecting Christian faith with our daily work. He's a popular speaker and writer, and he joins me now. Please welcome... Andrew Laird. Thanks, Rob. Now, Andrew, today we're talking about going beyond the Facebook friend, but you're not actually on Facebook, are you? No, I'm not. Is that because you want to build great friendships or great relationships? Uh, Possibly. (laughs) And and I, I guess straight away you sort of think, what qualifications does this guy have to speak about Facebook? But I guess there's three main reasons why I'm not on Facebook, and some of them have relationship to this topic and others perhaps less so. But one is I can get addicted to things very easily, Mm -hmm. and Facebook looks like the kind of thing that I could just get sucked into and spend hours on and at the end of the day be frustrated with myself for. Yep. Second thing is uh, I, and uh, perhaps like everyone else, dare I say it, has a propensity to uh, love applause and praise from others, a, a narcissistic streak. And Facebook seems to only feed that or encourage that with likes and comments and how Mm -hmm. many people are clicking on my posts. But the third reason is I I haven't seen anything in Facebook that has given me reason to think that it would in any way enhance my friendships, that other technology or other means aren't already available for me uh, in order to do that. Do recognise though, don't, don't hear me saying, I'm, you know, Facebook's terrible and it's evil and nobody should be on it just because I'm not. Mm-hmm. Well, there's uh, only one and a half billion people <laughs> on it, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think one of the great strengths of Facebook is the networking that it provides. Yeah, thanks Andrew. We do try to have a bit of fun on Logos Live and today we're talking with Andrew Led about going beyond the Facebook friend. So Andrew, in today's quiz, I'm going to test you on Facebook friends, Okay. So, question one. According to an online poll on the Telegraph newspaper in the UK, what was voted the top reason for unfriending someone on Facebook? Was it A, I don't see them in the real world? Was it B, they're annoying status updates? Was it C, because they befriended my friends? Or D, I'm jealous of their holidays? (laughs) So, which was voted the top reason for unfriending someone on Facebook? Look, I, I lean towards um, B or D right. uh, in, in the, the content that other people are providing. I'm going to go with, uh, I'll flip a coin and say D. D. Maybe you want to think about B. B? Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> yes, B, their annoying status updates was uh, voted by 34% of people as the top reason for unfriending someone on Facebook. And second was that I don't see them in the real world with 24% percent of respondents. Actually, I'm jealous of their holidays was only about 1% okay. of people. So uh, anyway, question two. A recent survey claimed that the average Facebook user has 155 friends. But how many of these would the average Facebook user trust in a crisis? Was it A, four, very few people can be relied on in a crisis? Was it B, 28, a reasonable number, a dependable? C, 72, about half of our Facebook friends are trustworthy? 
Or is it D, 155, all friends on Facebook, are true, genuine, deep relationships? So which is it? Given what we're going to say in a moment on terms of <laughs> defining friendship, yeah. uh, I'm going to go with A, four. Four. Well, you might be surprised that the correct answer is actually A. Four out of 155 people could be relied upon in a crisis. Answer B, 28 out of 155, or about 18%, were considered as genuine and close friends, yet only about 4 or 3% of Facebook friends could be called upon in a crisis. Mm. So has this quiz made you reconsider your Facebook famine? Not in the slightest. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Anyway, so Andrew, in our Facebook friends quiz, you got two out of two right. So congratulations. You're a Facebook friends whiz. So congratulations. Big big round of applause (laughs) for Andrew. So why do you think that we have lots of Facebook friends but few genuine friendships? I guess there's a sense in which few genuine friendships is not necessarily a, a bad thing. In fact, we'll kind of unpack what friendship is yeah. and my understanding of friendship is that actually there is only a capacity for very few friends that we have mm-hmm. and so having few genuine friendships I actually don't think is necessarily a bad thing I think the problem is is that Facebook calls those people that we're connected with on Facebook friends uh, when in reality I don't think that's the word to describe what they are mm. well I suppose well, what is the fact that you defriend annoying friends what does that say about the nature of friendship on Facebook is this really friendship if that with a click of a button we're no longer friends in Facebook's eyes? Mm. So are you saying, I mean, I have lots of friends on Facebook. Are you saying that I'm just shallow? No, not at all. That's why I think the word friends that Facebook uses is, a, is an unhelpful term, that if we had a different, different word to describe it, but the reality is I think our capacity for friendship is not quite what Facebook would lead us to believe. Okay, so what counts as a friend then? What is a friend? My understanding of friendship is very much shaped by my Christian faith and and looking at the scriptures for that. Mm -hmm. And I think there are probably four key things that make friendship. One writer by the name of Timothy Keller talks about the three C's of friendship, constancy, candor, and counsel. Mm -hmm. Constancy being the idea that they're with you through all of the ups and downs of life. Candor, it's the idea that a friend is someone who will tell you frankly what you need to hear. I think it was Oscar Wilde who had this saying that a friend stabs you in the front. Um, but I, th- I, I like that saying because I think there's, a, that, there's an aspect of, that is an aspect of friendship, that yeah. they, will, they will tell you what you need to hear. And that's been my experience with true friends. They've told me things that have felt like a in stab the in the front. But it, kind of in the same way that a, um, that a surgeon's knife, it cuts you open, but it's cutting you open to do you good. A friend will do the same sort of thing with you. Mm-hmm. So uh, constancy, candour. Counsel as well. Uh, they'll give you wise counsel on how to, to live well. But I'd add to those three C's of constancy, candor, counsel. For me, what I think is the, the silver bullet to friendship, uh, the make or break for friendship, and that is vulnerability, being real, laying yourself bare before people. Uh, C.S. Lewis has a book called The Four Loves, uh, which, uh, not surprisingly, has four chapters unpacking four different types of love. One of those loves is eros, so the kind of love between a couple in marriage, sexual love. And in the chapter on friendship, there's this great quote, and he says, eros will have naked bodies, friendship will have naked personalities. For real friendship to blossom and flourish and develop, there needs to be this kind of laying bare of myself Mm. before other people, letting them into my life. In terms of if that's how I understand friendship, then you can see why I think 
Facebook and its use of the word friend is falling far short in what, mm. what friendship actually really it's al- is. It almost trivialises friendship. Almost trivialises a friendship. And it somehow says that, you know, you can have friendship with 12, 13, 1400 people. But I think the reality is if that's what makes up friendship, you can only have that kind of relationship with, with really only a handful of people. Mm. But why does friendship matter anyway? I mean, someone wrote, once wrote to an online psychologist, I do not really care to have meaningful social interactions with other people. I view it as a hassle. From my point of view, relationships simply complicate life. I really don't see the point. People just aren't worth the time. So are friendships just a waste of time? I think absolutely not. And, I mean, I don't know the context of that quote, but I would say, with all due respect to them, that I think they're kidding themselves. I think we've been hardwired for relationship, hardwired for friendship. Mm. And, and to think otherwise is, is to delude yourself almost. Mm. What do you mean by hardwired? Like, what does that mean? Something I believe about the God of the Bible is that he is a, a triune God. And what I mean by that is that he is, there is only one God, uh, but the Bible teaches that he's three persons, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. What that means is that right at the very core of who God is, is relationship. It's inherent to who he is. But the next step in the logic, coming to your question of why are we hardwired for relationship, is that the Christian faith also teaches that all people are made in the image of this God. They're made like him in some way. They reflect him in some way. I like to think about it. It's kind of the relationship between an artist and their artworks. Artworks give you a little insight into the, the passions or the concerns or the interests of the artist. And the Christian faith says that, that all people are, wear artworks and God's the artist. We've been made to, to reflect him in some way. And one of the ways that we do that is that, like him, we've been hardwired for relationship. It's right at the core of, of who we are. We've been made for relationship. Mm. So to deny that in some way, you're uh, living against your nature. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what are the, uh, the barriers to building good friendships in our world? Yeah, look, I think there's lots of uh, barriers in the modern world uh, and the world that we live in here in Melbourne. Things like um, mobility and technology. Mobility, for example, I mean, we live in a time when we change jobs so frequently. Uh, the current guess in Australia or estimation is that we, we're in a job for on average three years and four months. We have 17 different employers through the course of our working life. Mm-hmm. That's a huge change just in terms of working life. But we move house all the time. I mean, me personally, I've moved house twice in the last two years, one of those moves being interstate. That kind of mobility is, is not necessarily a good or a bad thing, mm. but what it does have is an impact on our friendships. You root uproot roots that you've made. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, whereas maybe not too many generations ago, we might have been in a job for life and lived in the same house for life. Uh, we don't have that anymore. So mobility means that friendships become harder. Mm. But I think technology as well plays into that as well. Mm-hmm. Facebook perhaps leads us to believe that, uh, that this is what friendship looks like in our day and age. And as we've already been kind of exploring that, I think mm. it, it falls far short of what, of what real friendship really is. Mm. And it's not everyone's experience, but I've read the experience of some who say that Facebook has actually had a negative impact on their friendships, whereas previously might, they might have caught up more in person or spoken on the phone or communicated and contacted and connected in a variety of different ways. Their communication and their friendship has really reduced significantly because of Facebook and they've become reliant and dependent on Facebook in order to maintain that friendship and it's actually meant the friends have grown 
apart. So mobility, technology, there's some external factors. Mm. Now, English poet John Donne mm. wrote, no man is an island. And French philosopher Luke Ferry wrote that each human is an end in himself. Mm. So who was right? Look, I think John Donne is, is spot on there, that no man is an island. I mean, it goes with that. We're hardwired for relationship. We're kidding with ourselves if we think we can function and operate on our own. But what Luke Ferry is getting to there is he's really tapping into the age that we live in. Individualism. Individualism. How, how many people do operate in this age where we operate very much autonomously, um, we, we work out who we are, not necessarily in relationship to other people, our family or our communities, but, but we work out who we are very much in terms of what I do and, and, and accomplish for myself. So we live in an, an individualistic age where, we, where for a variety of reasons we distance ourselves from people. Uh, perhaps maybe self-protection reasons. We sort of think if some people come into my life, they could make it difficult and complicated and I could get <laughs> like hurt. Like that person talked about before. Yeah. People, make, they, people uh, do make my life messy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so I sort of think, oh, I'd prefer to avoid that kind of mess, so I'll just separate myself from people. Mm. But there can be a selfishness mm. uh, involved in that as well. Mm. But that's a key feature of our age, which I think we swim in. Mm. Now, research published last year by the Movember Foundation reveals that one quarter or 1.1 million of Australian men aged between 30 and 65 have few or no social connections. And the research estimated that about 2.5 million British men have no close friends. Hmm. Is this a problem? Absolutely, absolutely. It's probably a problem for all of us, male or female. Uh, But I do wonder if there's a particular issue here for men for a variety of reasons. I think that that final one, that vulnerability V, Mm. is not necessarily something that men are particularly good at. Uh, The culture that we live in has a certain uh, stereotype of what men should be, and it certainly isn't vulnerable. Mm. And yet vulnerability is so necessary for good friendship. friendship. To be real and to say, look, I don't have it all together. I'm finding things difficult and I'm under pressure at work. I'm finding it hard to cope. I struggle in my role as as a father, as a parent, as a husband. As a friend, and our culture, again, doesn't, I guess, encourage that aspect of, of our of friendship mm. amongst men. And the reason I say it's perhaps particularly an issue for men, more so than women, although I'm not denying that this would be an issue for women as well, that same article documented the, the growing uh, number of male suicides, uh, both in, in the UK and in Australia. In the 1960s, it used to be twice as many men as women uh, would take their own life. Uh, Now it's three times as many men Mm. as women are taking their own life. And that article placed a whole lot of the blame at the area of friendship. Lack of friendship. A lack of friendship, a lack of Mm. people in my life who I can pour myself out to, lay myself bare before, as C.S. Lewis talks about. It's worth saying at that point that if if that raises issues for you, Mm. uh, for people listening, that... There are great places you can go to get help, Lifeline, Beyond Blue, those sort of things, Uh, because it it can raise Mm. issues for people. But it just goes to the heart of, I think, what is going on uh, in our world today, in some ways going against our nature. If we're hardwired for relationship and we fight against that or we resist that or we avoid that, it only leads to harm and destruction Mm. for ourselves. Now, as part of Logos Life, we reflect on the scriptures, the Logos, and we're going to examine some wisdom found in a potentially surprising source, the Bible. And the part of the Bible we're reflecting on today comes from the book of Proverbs. It offers short 
Pithy insights into the nature of life in the world and it offers practical, memorable wisdom for living life. So would you say that Proverbs is a bit like the Twitter of the ancient world? Absolutely. I think it's a good way of uh, describing it. And I yeah. should say, I'm not on Facebook, but I love Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> now, a number of these tweets in the ancient world spoke about friendship. We have one here in Proverbs 18.24, which mm. says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So how does this help us understand friendship? It obviously speaks of that constancy yep. uh, that we spoke about a moment ago. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. They're, they're with you in, through ups and downs, through adversity, all the, all the difficulties of life. But what I find, uh, I think, particularly striking in this passage is that what he says is he says there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In the time that this was being written, you've got to remember that family reigned supreme. Family was the chief unit around which society operated, as opposed to our individualistic culture. Mm. Um, family was right at the top. And so to say that there is actually a relationship that could be closer than a family member that there's something that friendship can provide to you that family or even marital relationships can't provide is, is really significant. Mm. You need friends, this passage is saying. Mm. But do you need the right kind of friends? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that, the first part of that passage points to this as well. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. There's a number of proverbs uh, in that book that have that similar sort of sentiment that, that really have the idea of choose your friends wisely. I don't know if your parents ever gave you that advice as a kid, but, but it's advice. No, I always chose good friends. <laughs> they didn't need to tell they you that. I was pretty good. But that's, that's, a, that's wisdom straight out of Proverbs. It says choose your friends wisely because they're going to have an impact, particularly if they're the people who are, who are counselling you. Yeah. Then you want to have good ones who are giving good counsel. Well, Proverbs 22, 24 to 25 says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared so it's the same sort same of sort of thing yeah yeah. yeah yeah so how do the wisdom of proverbs speak to the three c's and the one v that we talked about before the constancy kanja counsel and vulnerability timothy keller who i mentioned has those three c's he really uh, it's in some ways the ways he summarizes the proverbs about friendship but the idea of vulnerability i think comes through in in one of the underlying themes of the whole book of proverbs in that if, you, if you're not familiar with Proverbs at all, one of the catch cries of that book is, um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's this acknowledgement that God is God and I'm not. That I'm a human, that I'm weak, that I'm frail, that I'm vulnerable. And so I think that overarching theme of Proverbs paves the way for us also to say that, yeah, I need to recognize my humanity, my vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And that has to play into my friendships and my relationships as well. Mm. Well, another, let's just throw another proverb out there from, mm. which maybe speaks to this. is Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So maybe that's the idea of getting... That's the stab, stab in the front. Stab in the front. So yeah. how, has, how has this been demonstrated in your life? Yeah, I mean, I can think of a few friends who've stabbed me in the front, yeah. uh, of which I'm very, very thankful. I mean, one particular example was a housemate that I lived with. He stabbed me in the front a few times, um, <laughs> but one of the times that he stabbed me in the front was actually over the issue of friendship and me being a poor friend, not so much to him, but to someone else. So what did you do? What, what did you, what had you done or not done? Uh, I'd been invited to a birthday dinner. I said I was going along 
and uh, I'd had a big week at work and I was tired and it was a Friday night and I thought I'd just prefer a quiet night relaxing at home and, uh, and didn't show up and didn't let them know and I didn't think my, my presence would be, would be missed, um, but it was. You were the only person invited. <laughs> yeah. Is that right? <laughs> now, apparently there was a table with seats all slayed for everyone and my seat was vacant oh, and right. I didn't recognise that it was kind of that sort of birthday party that I just thought it was a big big party and uh, I was just one of many invited and if I didn't turn up that it wouldn't be too much of a problem and uh, that was no way to treat a friend but another good friend who was there who was aware of my absence came home and the next day stabbed me in the front and, and you're grateful uh, for that I'm incredibly grateful for it I haven't forgotten you don't forget getting stabbed no. um, but he did it as my friend mm. So better is open rebuke than hidden love. Yeah, it was, it was open. He didn't hide it from me because it wasn't as though... I mean, that idea of hidden love, you know, I love you so I won't really tell you that. Well, that's not real love. That's hidden love. But to really love someone is to say, look, you need to know this if, if you want to live well. And uh, he really loved me and we had genuine friendship. And so he told me what I need to hear. Mm. Now, the central character of the Christian message, Jesus Christ, also spoke about gaining friends, and his reflections are found in another book of the Bible, this time in the New Testament, in the book of John, one of mm. the biographies of Jesus' life mm. we have. And in chapter 15, Jesus says to some of his followers, though these were actually real followers, not in the Twitter sense, <laughs> uh, he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Mm. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Mm. So was Jesus anticipating Facebook here, do you think? Possibly, although, <laughs> although, I, although I doubt it. <laughs> right, yeah. So how does this passage demonstrate the marks of true friendship? Well, I guess one of the key marks of friendship that you see there is that candor, or even counsel if you like, that there's an honesty in the relationship. That, that Jesus says, you know, the relationship between a servant and a master is that, the, that a master knows all these things that he doesn't tell his servants. Mm. And Jesus' followers, his disciples, might have thought that that was the kind of relationship that they had. And there was a sense in which he was the teacher. Uh, He was an authority. And he had authority that they did not have. And yet he says, this is not purely master-servant relationship. I'm telling you things because we're friends. And not just any things, but he says, I'm telling you uh, everything that I've learned from my father. Uh, That is, he is revealing to his friends God's plans and his purposes for the whole universe. Hmm. And so Jesus says, because I'm opening up to you in this way, then it's not just a master-servant relationship, it's a friendship. It seems like an immense privilege to have the creator and sustainer of the whole universe being friends or have connection or being able to know that mind through Jesus. If you go back to that idea of God being Trinity, if that's the case, then this is one of the members of the Godhead, who's saying, I'm going to let you into uh, the relationship that the Godhead has. And you can be friends with me. You can be friends with God himself. If you're going to be friends with God himself, then I'm going to let you into our business, what we're doing in the world. Mm. So then how do we become friends with Jesus? Well, maybe Facebook can help us here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Simply... Accept the friend request. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus is offering friendship with him. Genuine friendship. Genuine friendship. He says, you can have friendship with me, the God of the universe, your creator, your sustainer. Uh, I have done all that is necessary for you to have friendship with me. 
Uh, he's a friend who has shown just how much he loves you by laying down his life hmm. so that you can have relationship with him. Hmm. And so it's, perhaps it's just as simple as Facebook makes it. You just accept the request. Well, how is my life different if I accept Jesus' friend request? Well, for me personally, it's changed everything. Um, not least uh, in the area of friendship with other people. Yeah. If we're hardwired for relationship, and the reason for that is because at the core of God's being is relationship, then if we're going to ever really understand relationship, then we've got to get connected with him first. Mm. But in getting connected with him, it, it, it opens up the way, it empowers us to then go and have fulfilling relationships with others. So how can we then have deep friendship with someone that I can't see now? Look, I think one of the other things that, uh, that Jesus says about friendship, and it goes into this idea of, of constancy, and that elsewhere in, in, in his biographies, Jesus says that I will be present with you always. And now that's the language of constancy, isn't it? But how does he say that he's constant with us? We kind of go back to the other idea of God being three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And what Jesus says there, the, the way in which I'm present with you always is that my Spirit dwells in you. If we hold to that idea, imagine that possibility of God being that kind of three persons who are united in love, then we can begin to see the way forward for how he might be present with us always, constantly with us. Mm. So do you think that Jesus would be on Facebook? He is, isn't it? I believe. There's someone, someone's got a TV <laughs> page, don't they? I don't, I don't know. He might, I think it's the real Jesus. <laughs> Look, I don't know. I don't want to presume to know the, the, mind of, uh, the mind of God on all these things. But if he was, I'm not sure he would necessarily say that this is what real friendship is. So how then can we go beyond the Facebook friend and develop really good relationships? The starting point means getting connected to the source of relationship. You get that connection right, then I think it does empower you for, for relationships with others. Because the reality is that as much as I might sit up here and talk about what great friendship is, I know that I'm not the greatest friend mm. and that I let friends down. And I also know that I don't necessarily get the friendship from others that I would love for and long for. But unless I've got the connection with God right and got relationship with him, it actually paves the way for for true friendship with those other people, to begin to kind of go down that path with them, of fostering friendship, friendship that's vulnerable. But I really do think that just at a practical level, I do think prioritising and diarising is essential for good friendship too. I don't think friendship just happens by accident. Let me leave you with the Logos for the day from John fifteen fifteen. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. I look forward to you joining us next time for Logos Live. Please thank our guest today, Andrew Laird. Logos Live is recorded before a live audience in the CBD of Melbourne over lunchtime every second Wednesday. You can be part of the audience. Just check out citybibleforum.org slash melbourne for the recording schedule. You're welcome to turn up or continue to tune in whenever Logos Live is broadcast or podcast. I look forward to you joining us next time for Logos Live. Logos Live.